Welcome. You are listening to Not Just a Rainbow with Catherine Cager. All right. Today, I am going to tell you my modest opinion on an interesting topic you probably will love. For generations, sex workers have been advocating for the decriminalization of their profession, and finally, politicians are beginning to take notice. Tamika Spellman has seen firsthand the abusive behavior and financial burden of sex work criminalization in Washington, D.C. for over 30 years. She has been called names by police officers and been told that whatever happened to her was her own fault for being a sex worker. Furthermore, officers have forced her to buy them lunch in order to avoid being arrested. Spellman has even been sexually assaulted by officers. This is something that you can find across the board with sex workers, she stated. Unfortunately, this type of treatment has taken a toll on Spellman's finances, leaving her homeless. The consequences of criminalization can be especially hard on families of sex workers. Spellman's kids are grown now and she is a great-grandmother, but when they were little, she was burdened by the arrests. She claims that it took away from her children. Supporters of sex workers' rights acknowledge that decriminalization is the only way to ensure their protection from police mistreatment and to guarantee that they can enjoy their rights as workers in this country. For years, activists have been pushing for the decriminalization of sex work worldwide, and there have been some remarkable successes. New Zealand got rid of criminal penalties in 2003, and Amnesty International called on all countries to follow suit in 2016. Unfortunately, the United States, with the exception of a few counties in Nevada, still has laws against buying and selling sex. However, this may soon change, as a result of a combination of sex worker activism, increased awareness of racial justice and workers' rights, and the 2016 election. Recently, legislation to decriminalize sex work has been presented in both D.C. and New York, and even presidential candidates such as Senators Cory Booker and Kamala Harris have shown their support for decriminalization. Although there is still much work to be done, with many states not even having started the process, sex workers are closer than ever to gaining the right to do their job without the fear of arrest. As Spellman from the Service and Advocacy Organization HIPS puts it, it needs to happen, and it deserves to happen. This push to decriminalize isn't anything new. People who sell sex face a lot of stigma and are often arrested, prosecuted, incarcerated, deported, or fined for related offenses in the U.S. In a 2003 survey of street-based sex workers in New York, 80% said they had been threatened or experienced violence and 27% reported violence from police officers. This issue has been going on for generations and sex workers have been standing up for their rights since 1917 when they marched on Central Methodist Church in San Francisco. The modern sex workers' rights movement began in the 1970s, with the founding of groups like Coyote. The term, sex work, was coined in 1978 to acknowledge the work they do, rather than to define them by their status. It's now used by media and organizations to describe sex as a form of labor and to advocate for economic, racial, and gender justice. Most of the fight for sex workers' rights is based on getting rid of criminal punishments for selling and buying sex. It's different in each state and city, but in some places, like Arizona and Florida, if you get arrested more than once for sex work, you could end up with a felony charge and in prison. In other spots, like New York, it's just a misdemeanor with fines or other punishments. The only state where it's legal in certain counties is Nevada, 
but even there, sex workers are highly regulated and have to stay at the brothels all the time. It's a really limited situation. And then there's the contrast with porn, it's allowed, but selling sex isn't? That's kind of weird. Supporters argue that criminalizing sex work puts those who engage in it at risk. Advocates for sex workers' rights have long argued that criminalizing sex work puts those in the commercial sex industry in a more vulnerable position. Montelescu explains that criminalization of this kind forces sex workers to move their work to more hidden locations, making them more dangerous. One way sex workers can stay safe is by working in the same space, but in some cases laws void this safety measure, as well as put anyone who shares a space at risk of more serious charges such as promoting or profiting from prostitution. Jessica Raven, a steering committee member with the New York Advocacy Coalition DecrimNY, emphasizes that criminalization of sex work puts sex workers in grave danger of police brutality. A 2008 study revealed that one in five sex workers and people profiled as sex workers were requested for sexual services by a police officer, with one respondent claiming she had to do sexual favors in order to dodge a prostitution arrest. Furthermore, people of color are disproportionately targeted for sex work-related criminal offenses than their white counterparts. According to Amnesty International, in 2015, approximately 40% of the adults and 60% of the youths arrested for prostitution in the U.S. were black, even though only 12% of the nation's population is African-American. Trans women often face discrimination, even in the case of not being involved in any sex work, which can include being arrested under the Walking While Trans law in New York State. This law makes it dangerous for trans women of color to even be in public, as they can be arrested with no prior cause. In addition to facing police violence, sex work arrests can lead to fines, restitution, and a criminal record, making it even harder for trans women to find jobs and housing. This is especially true for trans women of color who already face employment discrimination. According to one trans woman, if they had the resources, they would have the ability to thrive instead of being criminalized. Advocacy campaigns for the rights of those in the sex industry have achieved some victories in other countries. The international sex workers' rights movement has had a few successes. In 2003, New Zealand decriminalized prostitution, allowing the purchase and sale of sex to go unpunished. A study done afterwards revealed that sex workers felt more secure in reporting abuse to the police and more likely to demand safer sex and turn down unwelcome clients. Other countries have adopted what is known as the Nordic model, which removes criminal penalties for those selling sex but keeps those for buyers. Sweden did this in 1999 and other countries have followed since then. While certain feminist organizations favor Sweden's approach, sex workers' rights groups state that it still causes harm to their profession. This is because it continues to keep the sex trade out of sight, resulting in the same difficulties as a full criminalization. Additionally, many of these countries have implemented policies that are damaging for sex workers, like attempts to evict them from their homes. As a result, an increasing number of global health and justice groups are advocating for complete decriminalization of sex work. In 2012, the World Health Organization proposed that countries take this action and Amnesty International seconded the motion in 2016. The United States, however, has not seen much progress in this regard. In fact, 2018 legislation known as FOSTA-SESTA, 
which seeks to punish websites linked to sex trafficking, has been criticized by many sex workers' rights groups. This law limits their ability to advertise online, forcing them to engage in more dangerous street-based work. The combination of various factors has caused the subject to become widely discussed in politics in only a short period of time, according to advocates. Decrimenwise Luo believes this is due to the increased attention to social justice movements and those on the left. She also recognizes the efforts of those advocating for sex workers' rights and the recent surge of progressive movements such as Black Lives Matter. Luo stated, young women of color who are involved in immigrant rights, reproductive justice, and labor spaces intuitively understand decriminalization. I hope you really like my podcast. Don't hesitate to share not just a rainbow with your friends and ask them to subscribe. I love you all. See you. Bye-bye.